the spaceship in the sky to the simulation in the mind. Let's all embark on another journey of Conversations on the Fringe. History repeats itself in 80-year blocks called saculum, but we'll just call them history blocks. Not exactly 80 years. This is history, not math but roughly the span of a human lifetime, maybe 80 to 90 years. Within these 80-year history blocks, we have four turnings of around 20 years each. We usually call them generations. This book calls them turnings. Turnings are sort of like seasons, like spring, summer, fall, winter. Throughout our history, we've had these 80-year blocks, and the 80-year blocks have been remarkably similar to each other. We're in one now. The first turning, the first season, is a high, an upbeat era. The second turning is an awakening, a passionate era. The third turning is an unraveling, a downcast era. And the fourth turning, well, sorry, but fourth turnings suck. The fourth turning is a crisis, an era of upheaval. We're in a fourth turning right now. So let's take a look at our seculum, our history block, the history block that we're in the crisis of right now. Our high began after our World War II victory. By our, we mean America's. These are America's history blocks and turnings. During a high, the getting is good. We had the most even distribution of wealth during our high. You could work at a gas station and afford to buy a house. This high is the period that the MAGA hats refer to. We got Hank Williams and Elvis and Little Richard and the birth of rock and roll. We launched monkeys and men into space. This is when the Mustangs and Corvettes first came out. Our high ended with the assassination of John F. Kennedy on November 22, 1963. The high is not a high for everyone, of course. America still had a segregated South. Homosexuality was illegal and considered a mental disorder. The high is a period of conformity. The age of nonconformity and of social justice begins during the awakening, our passionate era. During the awakening, we had Martin Luther King and the civil rights movement, ACID, Vietnam protests and Vietnam itself, the women's liberation movement, Stonewall and the gay rights movement, great movies, great music. This is when the first Macintosh computer came out. The awakening is a time of increasing individualism. This second turning, this awakening, ended with the re-election of Ronald Reagan in 1984. Things get messy during the third turning, during the unraveling. We got the fall of Soviet communism and the beginning of the Russian gangster state. The greatest musicians of the time sang about violence and decay in their deteriorating cities. The L.A. riots, O.J., the bombing of Bosnia and the Columbine high school shootings on the same day. September 11th, the wars in Afghanistan and Iraq. Our unraveling ended with the financial crisis of 2008. What's happening now in this fourth turning? And what's happening now is right on schedule. Eighty years ago, in the last fourth turning, America had her Great Depression, then World War II. Eighty years before that, the Civil War. 
80 years before that, the Revolutionary War. Now it's our turn to save the country. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world. My name is Josh, that's Vince Tagliavia. This is the Retro Project's Conversations on the Fringe. This is where we typically take a break from the geopolitical, geoeconomic situation that's occurring in the world and talk about those things that uh, expand your mind a little bit more, go a little bit on the fringe and the conspiracy side. And tonight we are talking about history repeating himself. And right there, you're just hearing about what's called the fourth turning, a book by uh, uh, Strauss and Howe, <clears throat> modeled after their uh, their actual dissertation they did of massive amounts of evidence to support this claim for the last 500 years a book called generations which i have right over there on the bookshelf um so really interesting topic to talk about tonight and i'm going to get into a little bit of the conspiracy fringe side of things on this but i wanted to like bring about this topic because this is something that i think that we're all kind of seeing now vince i did want to point out mm -hmm. um about rumble did you see my message no, I didn't see it. I'll pull it okay. up. Go ahead and check. Yeah, go ahead and check that out in the private chat. Um, hmm. Yeah. So when we go in there and we create the live stream, there's channels. There's the primary. There's hmm. a secondary. I'll check it. Yeah, it, it, somehow it created it under the, the primary. But either way, we got a few people watching on there. So hopefully people can find that. I did send the link out to that channel. So. Hopefully people get it in there, but we'll get the, the show uploaded to the primary channel afterwards. But if people do see anybody commenting that, hey, I can't find the show, it's not on Rumble, please go ahead and send them the link. Just because we have two channels on Rumble, one is like a default, one's a primary. And so they just, it got a little misconstrued. It's not yeah. a big deal. We'll figure it out. Um, but this topic, man, I love this topic because I'm going to get fringy on this topic. Now, if you guys are subscribed to me on Twitter, I put a post out yesterday on Thanksgiving. Oh, by the way, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Happy yeah. post-Turkey Day. I hope everybody is uh, getting uh, back into things after suffering from uh, the, the effects of tryptophan. <laughs> but... <clears throat> I, I wrote this yesterday because uh, I remembered a, a clip from the movie Days of Confused. Which one? Uh, well, in the movie Days of Confused, they're uh, getting out of school for the summer. And they're leaving their high school class. I think it was a history class. And you got like the hippie looking history professor. And she's like, and just remember that what you're celebrating this 4th of July is a whole bunch of slave owning aristocrats who didn't want to pay their taxes. And I'm like, huh? And so I wrote this yesterday and it says 50 years ago on Thanksgiving. Yeah a white tree-hugging liberal daughters would come home and yell at their parents for celebrating this white elitist holiday. They would claim that white slave-owning aristocratic elites used multi-generational genocide to steal wealth and land of the native people and then imprison them with small, within small territories so they could never organize. After which they would pump drugs and crime inside these small areas to control them for centuries. So they never had a chance to revolt. They would control the population through vaccine schedules and dietary requirements and then make sure the debt was the only money available. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. 15 minute cities, foreign private land ownership, debt, standard American diet, control of money and resources, fentanyl epidemic. Um, are you telling me that those crazy liberal hippies were right? 
And then I said, people, you live on a plantation. It's just expanded its boundaries. Now, I, I was doing this in a very, very broad sense, because one thing that we do know is that a lot of those liberal hippies from the 60s and the 70s um, are Nancy Pelosi and Hillary Clinton have become those liberal elite aristocratic son of a bitches that are trying to enslave us. Um, they've just gotten in control. But I wanted to look at like I started just thinking of all the correlations. Like, mm -hmm. Just imagine this for a minute. How many riots and protests were going on during the 1960s? Tons. Tons all over the place. Martin Luther King, Malcolm X. You had civil rights protests all over the place. Right? Yeah, and they're very reminiscent of what we see today. That's right. Now, uh, how much did music reflect culture? Big time. Big time. And it was on both sides of the house. It was within the culture that people didn't agree with, in the culture that people did agree with. How many musicians do we have coming out now that are saying F you to Hollywood and the big media industry and doing their own self-publishing and going to TikTok and YouTube and they're publishing patriotic songs or pa they're publishing things telling the truth about what the reality of the situation is. We had this all throughout the 60s. Okay. How about this one? What we had birthed during the 1960s was the counterculture revolution. This included a lot of psychotropic drug use, including the introduction of LSD to a lot of different circles. Now, this mm -hmm. happened with the Central Intelligence Agency going out there and conducting the LSD trials in the late 1950s and the 1960s, but then getting that introduced into the music and the, or the regular culture. Well, what do we have today? What, what is one thing that you can, two things that you can find in almost every state in the United States of America that is basically legal, that if you get pulled yeah. over with it, you're not going to go to jail. And that is cannabis and psilocybin mushrooms. Ayahuasca, psilocybin, these are normal everyday terms that our people are utilizing and out there experiencing every day. Mm -hmm. So. The hippie revolution, this also brought about this expansion of mind, this expansion of consciousness. Well, what else happened during that time? Well, people were going out and, and uniting and collaborating amongst live events, going out and traveling around the country to see the people that that they knew were 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 resonating at the same level as them. And what are people doing now? They're traveling to, to listen to conservative and Christian speakers talk. They're they're going out there and, 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 and getting the best concerts that they can get into. Well, yeah. how about this part? And this was the one that really got me. Hmm. What did the hippies do? They went out there and decided that they wanted to get back to nature. Isn't it interesting how like this default is that, hey, look, society's going crazy. I need to get back to nature. And yeah. what did the hippies do? They created communes. They tried yeah. to live off the land. They went out there and, and they, 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 foraged and harvested and got animals and they tried to live like during the olden days. Well, what are people mm -hmm. doing now? People are homesteading. People are selling their houses, buying RVs, traveling on the great road. They're homeschooling their kids. Guys, it's all repeating itself. I mean, you can even get deeper into this that in, in 63, you had the assassination of JFK where right. the Democrats basically cooed this country and took over. The deep state was born during this time. And what happened? What did John F. Kennedy uh, do? He spoke about the horrors of this infiltration into our government, into our country that is right. trying to take it over and convert it into communism. Well, what did Donald Trump do? He did the same damn exact thing. Kennedy was a, a, a family bloodline, a multi-billion dollar family. Trump, multi-billion dollar family. Both of them came in. Donald Trump, what happened to him? 
he didn't get shot in the head or assassinated, but he got character assassinated, didn't he? But he mm -hmm. definitely had the election stolen from him where the Democrats came in, formed a coup against him, and then are completely rewriting the history books. Now, here's the other key, is right after Kennedy, that happened to Kennedy, a lot of people were protesting. A lot of people were taking to the streets like, hey, what the hell is going on over here? You guys just took out our president. You guys just cooed our country. We need an investigation into this, and that's not going to suffice because basically you have the Fox investigating the who invaded the hen house. Okay. Yeah. So what happens next? Well, you get Vietnam war that begins the outbreak because of the Gulf of Tonkin incident, Gulf of Tonkin incident. You have a fire on board, a U.S. war vessel in the Gulf of Tonkin, which is blamed on a Viet Cong missile that hit them. Never actually happened. 50,000 Marines, 12 hours later, land in Vietnam. They find out two days later that that event never actually happened, but they leave the Marines there and the Vietnam war begins and they start drafting all able bodied men out of the country into warfare. Well, why did they do that? Because there was this massive premise growing up that, Hey, look, our government's corrupt. They're moving to communism. We, they just killed our president. They're forming a coup against us. The same things that were happening in the 1940s. And so what did they do? They sent every able-bodied man who was able to fight for their country. They implemented fear into their eyes that they're going to go to war. They're most likely going to die. And they sent them overseas. And that happened to the point where they transitioned the currency in the 1970s. I mean, you went from the Bretton Woods Agreement, the gold standard in 1972, from 1968 to 1972, we ejected out of the Bretton Woods agreement, and we went on to a whole new currency creation, which created a basically a small little depression during that time, but energy prices skyrocketed. Well, what are they doing right now? Fiat currency is at its max, and we're moving towards yeah. a digital currency. <clears throat> All of these parallels are syncopated. What do you think? Absolutely. Guys? Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of expecting a kind of a 70s financial situation here in the next rest of this year. I mean, we're already kind of there. We're getting there, halfway there, as far as uh, rates go. But, yeah. Well, you know, my conspiracy mind goes a little bit deeper into this. And, and I do understand the fourth turning. I do understand um, kind of what's happening at that perspective is that we have a collective consciousness that goes through various different stages. Um, and a lot of this deals with what I would call optimization theory is that you, you kind of have what they're talking about in this video. Uh, let me pull this up real quick. Cause I want to be able to, uh, so you have the high, the awakening, the unraveling and the crisis right now. Yeah. Interesting enough is if you take that into the human crises, right? You have the high. The high is the birth, the birth, the creation. It's new. It's something new. And so yes. we're developing it up into what it's going to be. That brings about into the awakening. This is adolescence. This is puberty. This is going through your teenage years and being at the height of your world. Then the unraveling, getting to your 20s and realizing that the world's not what you expected and, and you know, having to go out there and, and produce value into the world. And then you go into a crisis situation where everything that you just worked for for the first you know, 30, 40 years of your life isn't what you thought it was. We call these midlife crises. And so we experience that unraveling all of those sequences within the human psyche on an individual level throughout our life, but on a very, very smaller scope. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. It reminds me of infinity and it reminds me of uh, nature. It reminds me of a fractal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah. Almost like time itself 
has kind of a a a a, a vibrational frequency to it, to where time itself is a simple loop of maybe you know a year, a minute, an hour. I don't know what it would be, but that this this loop has these various different resonant factors and that when a consciousness, which is in its own vibrational frequency, aligns with those various frequencies within that time loop, they generate various different archetypical expressions within the world. And that happens on a collective level and that also happens on an individual level. That also happens on a planetary level, so on and so forth. And then time becomes an interesting thing because, you know, you ever seen these these pictures out there of like uh, of pictures from the 17 and 1800s and it looks like Matthew McConaughey? Yes. And, and like you're like, oh, my goodness, these people like there's one of Jay-Z. And it looks just like Jay-Z. Yeah, I've seen right? those. Try this. Have you ever heard of the Lincoln Kennedy coincidence? Yeah, I think I have. OK. Yeah. Yes. How I about have. this? Both Lincoln and Kennedy were concerned with civil rights. Lincoln was elected president in 1860. Kennedy in 1960, 100 years apart. Both were slain on a Friday in the presence of their wives. Both were shot from behind in the head. Their successors, both named Johnson, were Southern Democrats and both were in the Senate. Andrew Johnson was born in 1808. Lyndon Johnson was born in 1908. John Wilkes Booth was born in 1839 and Lee Harvey Oswald was born in 1939. Booth and Oswald were Southerners favoring unpopular opinions. Both presidents' wives lost children through death while in the White House. Lincoln's secretary, whose name was Kennedy, advised him not to go to the theater. Kennedy's secretary, whose name was Lincoln, advised him not to go to the theater. Kennedy, oh, so John Wilkes Booth shot Lincoln in a theater and ran to a warehouse. Lee Harvey Oswald shot Kennedy from a warehouse and ran to a theater. The names Lincoln and Kevin Kennedy each contain seven letters. The names, uh, the name Andrew Johnson and Lyndon Johnson each contain 13 letters. The names John Wilkes Booth and Lee Harvey Oswald each contain 15 letters. Both assassins were killed before being brought to trial. Both Johnsons were opposed for re-election by men whose names start with G. Yeah, I've seen these before. Lots of quinkadinks and But there are no coincidences. I know. I've went through a few of these trying to fact check them too because people out there obviously there's always somebody debunking something else and it's interesting but uh kind of inconclusive but well, man cycles within cycles rings yeah. within rings. And, and what we have to understand, at least that what I'm starting to see mm -hmm. is that history is not this thing that was formed through unpredictability. That our past is not something that was mixed together of a whole bunch of improbable sequences of, of action happening, but instead is a more predictable format, is that the future that is evolving right now becomes very deterministic when you understand the patterns of the past, that what we're in right now is what time really is and how time is expanding is not something that is completely just infinite and open, but something that is a system that is contained, that has various patterns of, 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 of imprinting onto the consciousness of what is supposed to 
happen next, of what is supposed to unfold next. As in time itself has a pattern of unraveling. Mm -hmm. On different scales, too, and for different cycles. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So that means that, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that it, it goes in and it becomes a fractal. Is that this sequence of time that we are in right now is a culmination of all the other sequences of that fractal's expansion into this one point of unfoldment, right? So understanding history and all the patterns that have systematically repeated now we begin to understand what happens next here. Now, the correlations to today to the 1960s are uncanny. But here's the thing is you can go back to the 1930s and the 40s and the same things happened. You can go back to the 1800s, the same things happened. You can go back to the 1700s, the same things happened. Yeah. And it's not just the workings of, of society and culture and like new ideas being generated, but instead it's this mechanism, I believe. And this is kind of what I think what history repeating itself really is. What's that? I think it's evolution. In what way? It's the evolution of mind and consciousness. And so if our... Hmm. I don't believe in standardized Darwinian evolution. I think that that is absolute, complete nonsense. And there's probably, you know, social scientists out there be like, oh, what do you don't know what you're talking about? Be like, well, how about this? Is that every pinpoint of evolution that we've seen through various different species in history, you cannot show that as a prolonged event that occurred over long periods of time. But what we do see specifically, at least within the anthropological records, is that the evolution that we have seen is very, very fast. It occurs during very short time frames of massive uprising and cataclysm within planetary changes. Hmm. And so evolution then transitions away from evolution to an earlier theory known as adaptability, is that our genes are formulated to adapt to the environment at a very, very fast rate over a few hundred years or a few thousand years, which is really, really fast. And so if that's the case in the sense of evolution of who and what we are on a physical level, mm -hmm. well, is there such thing as mental evolution or spiritual evolution? Sure there is. I'm sure there is. Damn right there is. And so how does that fit into that, that, that puzzle? I have no idea. Good question. I mean, well, let's think about this. The body very abstract. Yeah. The body is conformed, adaptable to the outside environment, to the environment yeah. that places um, stresses and impedances and all different types of things onto it, right? So the body has various different climatic changes, earth upheaval, solar, galactic storms, uh, cosmic radiation increase, electromagnetic and decreases and increases of Earth's magnetic field. There, there's a million and one variables that go in to the evolution, evolution of a physical body on this mm -hmm. planet or a physical species on this planet, right? Absolutely. Okay, now take the, all of that stuff on an emotional in a psychological level. Hmm. Okay. So how does those, how do those things react to the mind? How does the mind react to those things as they occur? 
there's probably some process. I don't know, and how long it would take. I don't know, or you know, no, I don't worry scale. about that. Oh, but what I'm trying to, trying what to I'm trying about to get you and the people to think about is this: mm -hmm. is that just like the environment impresses upon the physical body, causing the physical body to evolve and express various points of DNA to different uh, um, epigenetic control factors. The same thing happens on a mental, a spiritual level as well. The same thing happens internally. Not only does that happen internally, but then we have the the other realms of knowledge, of, of books, of media, of information, of television. You have... Um, you know, social somatics uh, uh, influences. You have the the zeitgeist, the spirit of the times, the kind of the collective um, um, understanding of the times. All of these things imprint within the mental construct, as well as religion and spirituality and various different experiences and how you gauge and judge those experiences, the emotional interaction with other people, the relationships you develop in life, the you know, the, the, the things that you think about, the things that keep you up at night, the things that depress you or make you sad and happy, all of these things go into that process of mental and spiritual evolution. And so then you would think about it as, okay, well, if, if nature has various cycles, various seasons of how these things all come about on a very, very large scale, a galactic scale, on a solar system scale, on a planetary scale, and within an ecosystem scale, Mm -hmm. Okay. Then the, does that mean that the same thing happens on an archetypical scale, on a, on, on a internal psyche scale mm -hmm. that our psyche would also have these same revolutions of seasons and cycles of how they go about and express to promulgate that growth and evolution. I would imagine it manifests in everything. I, I would, I agree. I, I don't doubt that. No, I'm just thinking about what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. I would imagine that it manifests in everything. And mm -hmm. you're absolutely right, because that is the repetition aspect that we talk about with optimization theory. But what I'm trying to, to get across in, in this mm -hmm. idea is that history repeating itself is simply the cycles manifesting, unraveling, coming about. Now, if you were these deep, dark occultists, who knew of these psychological cycles, mental, spiritual cycles, these physical cycles, could you take advantage of that and hijack them through various points of manipulation, psychological warfare, these types of things, information warfare, during those points in times that you know that that critical point of expression was about to come out, could you go in and, and hijack them and then transform those cycles to your benefit? Yeah. You could. And here's a thought. Could a society resist that urge or is it inevitable? You know what I mean? Well, you know, this is the beautiful thing. So I've talked about this a few times that what the Great Awakening really is. Right. And the Great Awakening is not something new, by the way. Did you know if you look up the term the Great Awakening? It'll take you back to the 1830s, the 1840s. Interesting. Mm -hmm. The Great Awakening was a, a Christian spiritual awakening in the United States where a lot of the Protestants came over and they basically were starting to set up shop here in the United States of America. And a lot of this was called the Great Awakening. This evolved. Um, I mean, Mormonism was created out of all of this. Uh, but 
you had the great awakening, the the golden dawn, the the rising the rising sun from the dawn. You have all these things that come out of this idea of the great awakening. Well, what is the great awakening? That's when we come out of the sleep and the slumber. We're coming out of winter. We're entering in the spring. These are seasons. These are seasons of what? Seasons of consciousness. You know, if we start looking at things as seasons of consciousness, we begin to understand a little bit better of how the fourth turning actually unravels and what it actually is. We begin to understand how this world, this universe that we live and operate in actually begins to to make sense around us, begins to actually unfold in front of us of what the practitioners of the occultism and magic were actually talking about. So it's something to think about here for everybody. The Great Awakening, we'd like to look at as a collective movement, something that's happening on this large scale where everybody is, is awakening to all these various different values. But as I just showed you with the comparison of current day in the 1960s, there's nothing new under the sun. All of this stuff has happened before, and it will happen again. Okay? Hmm. That everything that's happening on a societal level, a cultural level, all of these things have happened before. So what does that tell you? That number one is that they are going to continue to happen. And number two is that somebody is influencing how they, uh, of, of where they end up at after they happen. Okay. So it's a collective level. But what if I also told you it's an individual level? That the great mm -hmm. awakening is also happening on an individual scale. Yeah. That internal mm -hmm. yourself right now, that everybody who's watching this show, everybody who's in these movements, whether they're on the right track of information or completely disoriented in the sense of what the truth is. I don't think that that really matters so much as the fact that as long as they know that their consciousness is expanding and awakening. Okay. But the dark, the light aspect of this, the great awakening, dark, the light, the golden dawn, all these things have to deal with the same thing. It's coming out of the night and into the sun. It's moving out of winter and into the spring. Okay. So what is happening in everybody's life out there right now? Everybody is coming to mass realizations within their own life. A lot of people's Things that they've held in their closets for a long time are beginning to come out. A lot of people are going through massive uh, psychological and physical changes in their life. They're clearing out a lot of the old stuff that they've held on to for a very, very long time. They're throwing it out and, and bringing in new stuff. They're bringing in new thoughts, new ideas, new concepts. They're utilizing those thoughts, those ideas and concepts to better their own life and their own evolution. And so the Great Awakening happens on an individualized level. But it also happens on a collective level as well. Now, what we're beginning to see here <clears throat> is that these, this group of elitists, the deep state, the cabal, whatever you want to look at it, is they sought out to control this transitional shift. I think people like Trump and a lot of these other guys that are involved in this movement behind the scenes, the, the Q stuff, if you want to look at it like this, yeah, they understood this mere fact that we're talking about tonight. Do you think that they would still have, do you think that the cycles would still exist if the cabal didn't? Yes. Put yes. Forward some kind but of I think it would be more naturally forward. oriented. Mm -hmm. So what I mean by that is that, I, I mean, imagine what the world would be like, Vince, mm -hmm. <clears throat> is if you had no 
negative impedance on a civilization that everybody was like, Hey, look, we're here together on this planet. Let's do the best that we can for humanity. Um, not necessarily let's love each other, but let's, let's go out there and let's benefit humanity. Let's not, yeah. like, you know, let's not screw I each wonder, other. The cycle might be less extreme in that case. I would imagine. No, I bet you would be massive. I bet you would be making exponential increases in technological and, and well, physical and mental advancements. And the reason I say that is because if you didn't have anything holding it back, um, there's no holds barred. The, 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 it's limitless what we can do. Yeah, <clears throat> and so, from, from a, like a technological or like a golden age standpoint. But what about from the part of the cycle where things break apart? Do you think that maybe be mitigated by... It's a good question. It's a good thought to put in your mind is, you know, okay, so we go up and then we come down. And so if there's nobody controlling that downslide, then how far do we slide? Or maybe if we understood the cycles and we truly understood this information, that downslide wouldn't be as negative as we thought. And we'd we'd turn it into a positive. Um, You know, you got to rise above those lower laws. Or maybe it's like walking the center path, like like the Buddhist Buddhism talks about and the people today talk about still is maybe true awakening is when that cycle just stays near a homeostasis center point. There it is. It doesn't have a high. It doesn't have a low. It's just like flowing forward. That, just, a- absolutely. Mm. I, I fully agree with that. I was actually talking about that the other night. So going back into this though, yeah, is we have a mechanism that's out there trying to control this. And let's just say that 20, 30 years ago, they began to implement their points of control and develop the infrastructure for when that control became successful, right? And this is Codex Alimentarius, Agenda 21, Agenda 2030, Agenda 2050. This is the new digital banking system, the unified ledger. This is a move towards uh, social communism, fascism, structure, totalitarianism, governmental structure of a global governance, uh, privatized governance, if you want to look at it like that, uh, the lack of land ownership, and these types of things. And what if these people, that the good people that we look at, the white hats, if you want to call them that, if they understood all this and they realized that all that had to happen were the seeds to be planted in the minds of people, the seeds of freedom, the seeds of spirituality, the seeds of, of limitless possibilities. And the moment that those seeds were planted, the control over the narrative was lost by these big actors, by these big players. I think that that's highly probable of what just happened here. I mean, the MAGA movement itself is, I mean, listen, do I agree with everything in the MAGA movement? No. Do I like the MAGA movement? No, I think there's a lot of shitty people in the MAGA movement. But you want to know what it's done is it's awoken. It's awoken a political atmosphere in this country that you haven't seen in a hundred years. It's awakened something inside of people because the beautiful thing that I see within the conservative movement right now, and you could actually attribute this to the liberal movement in the 1960s is that it's not just politically oriented. Okay. It's not a, like we need more healthcare. It's like, dude, I want to be left alone. I want more freedom. I want to be able to go out there and own land and tend to my land without you intervening in it. I want to be able to travel across this country and, and do what I want for a living and not have to be indoctrinated by your school system or, or, or have to conform to a nine to five job. And what I can I can tell you right now with looking at what's happening, Mm -hmm. that system's dead. 
that system that they're trying failing. to push us back into, that they're trying to squeeze us into that, it's failed. It's gone. The people are, you know, in 20 years, people are going to gawk at like nine to five. Are you, I got to drive 30 minutes to work, to work for eight hours to come back home. Yeah. And this is what I get at the end of the month. You're crazy. 20 years from now, that's how it's going to be. Like, dude, I can go online and I can set up three Bitcoin miners and I can go play video games all day and I can make more money than that. And I only spend fucking three hours a day doing it. That's the world of the future if you want it. But you have to be you have to be adaptable. You have to understand the world that's coming. You have to understand the trends of how they're expanding into these things. And I see if you go back into the past, mm -hmm. you can look at this in all of these different sequences. And, and the interesting thing to look at is we call this the Great Awakening. Remember, remember at the beginning yeah. I talked about the '60s, the, the hippies of the '60s turned into Nancy Pelosi and Hillary Clinton. Well, yeah. it's interesting that the people who are leading that cultural revolution became the political leaders of the world that corrupted the world again. But if you imagine what really happened there is that they were, I think a lot of them were plants. I think a lot of them were implemented into those movements to hijack those movements, like John Kerry, John McCain, these types of people. But at the end of the day, when I look at it, is that that revolution that happened right there at that point in time, that was an awakening of a certain group of people. Those people went on the tran uh, transition, transmutate the world into what it is today. A lot of those people. I mean, the whole vegetarian, vegan thing, PETA, all this shit, whether it's shit you agree with or disagree with, yeah. right? Climate change. All of yeah. this came out of that, but they became radicalized ideas. Yeah. Not something that wasn't very radical, but was more conservative in nature. The exactly. majority of the hippies in the 60s were conservative. Yeah. And even the like uh, climate narrative kind of started then, not climate per se, but the whole Save you know, the care for the save the planet stuff and chemicals in our environment and DDT and all these things were coming to light. Uh, that got corrupted massively. Look at where we're at today, but yeah, dude, I see it. And so with that being said, right now we are in one of those transitional frames. So the question is, is are you going along with the mundane of the past or are you forging a path into the future? Because right now is a sequence of this, this time cycle that's occurring. It's a, it's a sequence within that time cycle. It's a pattern, a vibration to where things can be created and brought into the zeitgeist, brought into the collective consciousness, brought into the individualized psyche and completely change and transform the world. It's like, it's like the world every 80 years opens up to susceptibility and says, hey, let's all change and let's change together. What do you guys all want? And everybody's like, oh my God, I'm so scared. I don't want to change. Oh no, we can't do this. We can't do this. I can't do this. And the elites are like, well, we can mold this to where we want it to go. But right now, instead of that happening, you get all these people going, nah, nah, dude, we, we know what we want. This is what we want. And the elites are like, wait, well, no, that, that's not, this is what you want. We're like, no, dude, that's not what we want. And see, we're in one of those time frames, one of those transitions to where we can take the lead on what the future becomes. It's completely up to us to go out there and forge in stone the path 
forward. Elon Musk understands this very well. And whether you like Elon or not, doesn't matter. He's doing it. Donald Trump understands this. Whether you like him or not, he's doing it. I would say Joe Biden does, but I don't think Joe Biden really understands anything. But all the global world leaders, they understand what we're talking about here, is that we are at a very, very susceptible time within history where things can happen very, very fast and completely change the fabric in the future of humanity. And in 20 years from now, you will not be driving 30 minutes to go work eight hours. And if you know that right now and you're dreading working eight hours in 20 years and driving 30 minutes to work, then maybe what you need to think about right now is how to transition your life into something that earns you a lot more money for a lot less time and hell, hell, you know, less travel. I mean, listen, there's, I, I can't even tell you, like I've been mm -hmm. talking to so many people and I like, I interact with a lot of people and yeah. hearing some of these people's businesses and what they do. Yeah. It blows my mind. Really? Like, you know, people making 200, $400,000 a year, you know, selling, you know, mushrooms, growing mushrooms mm -hmm. and selling mushrooms or, or a dandelion farmer, right? That's what I want to be a dandelion farmer or, or going out there and, you know, uh, you know, creating an online e-shop and selling to a niche or, uh, you know, creating a subscription website or whatever it might be. People are coming up with all different types of ideas and out there bringing them to the world and people are accepting them. Because yeah. if you think about it, is if people, more people are earning a living right now, utilizing the internet, what does that tell you? People are just like you. Where do you do the most of your shopping, Vince? Um, the grocery store? I don't know. Okay. I don't do online shopping if that's what you're getting to. Oh, you don't do online shopping? Okay. Not much, no. I remember back in 2004 having a discussion with a friend. Yeah. And my friend was telling me that, you know, in 20 years, we're going to move from the 4% right now that is being done online in e-commerce. So about back in 2003, 2004, is about 4% of, uh, of all retail sales were online. And he goes, that's going to dominate and take over about 95%. And I'm like, that's not going to happen. Right. <laughs> but that's the case, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is that. The majority of things that people buy, the majority of business that people do is all online or integrated online in some way, shape, form, or fashion. Even if you go to Walmart, okay? You yeah. want to know a little conspiracy theory? Yeah. You ever go into Walmart, Costco, Target, or any big retailer, and you no longer have cell phone reception? Yeah. And you have to connect to their Wi-Fi? I don't do that, but okay. Okay. Do you understand why you don't have cell phone reception in there? blocking by something blocked because yeah, they don't want you to have cell phone reception in their stores because oh. they want you to connect to their wi-fi network so when oh. you connect to their wi-fi network you're sharing your data with them they're picking up oh. all the products that you've looked at on amazon and all these other stores and now they can utilize that as an analytical tool to go out there and rematch a lot of their prices inside their store to be more competitive with everybody maybe man not maybe. Yeah. It's not maybe. I, that, 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 is, that is the truth. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. You said theory. Well, it's a conspiracy theory, but it's it's okay. it's the truth. That's why they conspiracy do it. Conspiracy fact. Okay. Yeah, it's conspiracy. Okay, conspiracy fact. I don't know. 
Yeah, but that's exactly what they do. And so if you go into Starbucks, same thing with Starbucks. Yeah. They want you to connect to their network because they want your data. And a lot of these companies, they sell your data. Hmm. It's another way they make profits. So, hmm. but here's the thing is, I mean, dude, you know what targeted geo geo uh, geofencing targeted advertising is? Uh, I'm not. I got the like basic fundamental idea of what it is. We've talked about it a lot, but I don't know the exact inner workings of it or how it functions. So there's a form of marketing out there right now. Let's say that you only wanted to target men ages 30 to 45 that are looking for new tractors. Okay. okay. And you're a marketer. How do you do that? becomes really difficult going out there with all the tools online and doing email campaigns. So what you do is you go to these databases, you buy the data. Okay. You buy the data of 30 to 45 year old men who have visited John Deere, who visited Menards, Lowe's, these types of stores, and they can, they can basically go out there and they'll, they'll put what's called um, geofencing around a location. And so anytime that somebody walks into that store, so I can actually go out there and create this right now. So if someone walked into Menards right now and I had a geofencing uh, marketing campaign going at Menards. So basically I go in there and I have um, like, I'll work with Google. Okay. So let's say I'm working with Google. I can go into Google and I can say, hey, I want this Menards in Buffalo, Minnesota, and I geofence that Menards. I put the analytics, 30 to 45-year-old men looking for uh, um, drivable tractors, drivable uh, drivable lawnmowers, okay? Every time that a person walks into that Menards, it'll tag that person. Look through all their analytical advertising data of every app they've ever been on, of every web search they've ever been on. And anything that says lawnmower, drivable lawnmower, anything like that, that'll automatically put it into my queue and I'll get charged for that lead. And now I got a lead to work on that fits my demographic precisely. Like that's how the digital world works. Now, let me ask you this. Is all the people out there, how many different ideas could you generate to make money? Just from that idea alone. Oh, I mean, it makes it a lot easier. <laughs> it makes it a lot easier. Yeah. Not only that, I mean, how many how many businesses can you? So, what I'm really talking about here, guys, is yes, history repeats itself, right? Uh-huh. Is that there's there's cycles of time within cycles of time within cycles of time. This promulgates spiritual, physical, and mental evolution. We are in the the precipice of one of these cycles right now that is evolving into a what Klaus uh, how not Klaus how and uh, um. Strauss, Strauss and how would say is a new high. So this would be the raging twenties. Okay. We are moving into that point right now. The new high after the, the crisis. That's right. A new high after the crisis. What can you do to capture the upside of that, to benefit yourself during that transition? That's what I'm talking about is if you understand and know these cycles, if you know, these cycles are happening, most people in the 1960s, not everybody was involved in those movements. Right. Okay? And most people, what? The 70s came, the energy crisis came, they lost their ass, they became poor, they they remained poor. Yeah, right? you have to make moves. You got to make moves. You have moves. to make moves now during the crisis that forms right. the golden age. 
if you want to call so it let me ask golden this. age. I don't know. What kind of crises are we going to have? Wars, social destabilization, riots, burning stuff down. Yep. Probably countries taking land, countries losing land, assassinations. Could get really bad. Could get really bad. But could. what's one word that kind of wraps all of that stuff in the play? What? Ideological. Hmm. So ideological, social, cultural, cultural, and global crises, right? Now, not only to add in there the other aspect of, of, of pandemics and so forth. By the way, we are observing uh, China looks like they have a new COVID, some type of unknown illness, pneumonia pandemic that people are all throughout the hospitals in China right now. So pay attention to that. Now, did you know that they had that in the 1970s? Called no. the swine flu epidemic. Hmm. And they try to rush out a vaccine to, to help everybody. And 12,000 people got vaccine injured and they pulled it off the shelves and got sued for billions of dollars. Wow. Interesting how that happens. So <laughs> nothing new under the sun. There's nothing new under the sun. But we see here's the thing is we know these cycles. If we know these cycles, we can utilize them for our benefit. And people are like, well, you know, man, I got everything I want. I don't need anything more. Bullshit. You, you could always use more. If you had unlimited resources in your life, what would you create? The, the God has given you unlimited resources in your life, and he's given you the ability to, to observe, understand, learn, and use within wisdom the patterns that are unraveling in front of you. Okay? And so as history does repeat itself, we can be on the one side, the ideological front where we're behind the going, you know, hell no, we won't go. Or we could be the ones out there trying to shape and mold the future to something better and more beneficial to all of humanity. Because if we know how this pattern of time unfolds and unravels, then we know what comes next. And if you know what comes next, then it's easy to become that person who plugs into that system. And generates massive value. Yeah, it's interesting too. It's like, who's going to be the controllers of this? Uh, like, I, I'm going to call it a mini golden age after the crisis. Um, in order for that to change, there has to be a lot of changes to occur, like, like governmental changes, constitutional changes, maybe even like serious big changes have to occur before, yeah. as things quiet down to see who. Well, Controls unfortunately, things through. are going to quiet down anytime soon. We have about How another. Long do you think we have another decade of crisis? But as Sir John Templeton said, is that uh, you know you'll make the greatest advances in your life during the times of the greatest pessimism, mm -hmm. because when people are filled with fear and doubt and and anger and and all these in strife, they're willing to do anything to get rid of it. And so yes. that's that's when you can people build the creations to help them with those things. But you know what? I think that I think that this world right now is about to be unraveled into a massive uh, a massive uh, revelation. And I think each one of these all have different um, revelations, if you want to look at it like that, mm -hmm. that. 
if we go back to the 1940s and the 1950s, this was really the uncovering of of uh, this this bureaucracy that ran the world from secret and hidden um, shadows. Right. The 1960s and the 70s. You know, this unraveled the war machine. This unraveled the spiritual innate nature within inside of us that had been dormant for a very, very long time. And right now, the unraveling is this uh, this aspect that history is a lie. That everything that's happened oh, yeah. in the past is really kind of a lie. It's written by the winners of the wars, and potentially, you know, our civilization was completely different two hundred years ago. Yeah, a big lie. Now. With that, I wanted to talk about this because this is kind of interesting. Uh-huh. And uh, you, you've heard the theory that the world ended in 2012 and that yeah. we're all in purgatory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, actually, that would make a lot of sense with everything that's going on. So we've been talking about a lot of the earthquakes, all the volcanic activity still going on in Iceland. I talked about how we have a transition of solar rays and cosmic rays and bombardments onto our planet. And these things have profound effects on the planet's ecosystem, the weather, the climate, as well as human consciousness. Mm -hmm. Mysterious cosmic. And I said, within the next few weeks, certain things would happen. Just yesterday, mysterious cosmic ray observed in Utah came from beyond our galaxy, according to scientists. Uh, so say sp- space scientists seeking to understand the en- 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 enigmatic origins of a powerful cosmic ray have detected an extremely rare ultra-high energy particle that they believe traveled to Earth from beyond the Milky Way galaxy. The energy of this subatomic particle, invisible to the naked eye, is equivalent to dropping, dropping a brick on your toe from waist height. Uh, The new research published Thursday in the journal Science reveals the single most energetic cosmic ray ever observed, the Oh My God particle. Uh, This was in 1991. Cosmic rays are charged particles that travel through space and rain down on Earth constantly. Low energy cosmic rays can emanate from the sun, but extremely high energy ones are exceptional. Um, If you hold out your hand, cosmic rays go through the palm of your hand. These are quarks. Uh, These are neutrinos. But apparently there's... um, a series of them that have bombarded this planet and one in Utah, another one, uh, May 27th, 2021, um, in this article. So Hmm. interesting enough is that we're being continuously bombarded by these cosmic rays and another one just hit Utah just the other day, which I find is pretty crazy. Um, The science of this like minute measuring drives me nuts. I don't get it at all what do you mean like how do they know it came from that far away and i don't i honestly don't believe i think it's kind of pseudoscience i don't know how good their sensors actually are and all that stuff like with the hydron collider that's just my personal theory maybe it's ignorant well the hydron collider is not a sensor but what they'll use yeah it is a sensor it is is, but it's not a sensor for cosmic radiation that's coming in so they'll use these detectors which are highly sensitive and are actually very very accurate so but the way that they can tell like where this thing came from yeah is the wavelength so imagine as light leaves its source it begins expanding in all directions all at the same time and so when it hits the earth right? It'll have expanded to a large degree. So uh, think about it in the sense of a, um, a hologram. As you cut that hologram up and half and half and half and half and half, it becomes more and more distorted, right? Until that distortion is becomes unrecognizable. 
And so these sensors will pick up that unrecognizable piece of the hologram. Well, how many pieces do you have to go back to combine that hologram to find out what the picture was? Hmm. So what they'll do is they'll do that same sequence and then they can determine a distance. Hmm. And if they know that distance, they know where the origin was. They can know that it traveled, you know, 20 billion light years, right? Now they can reverse their scale models 20 billion light years and find out what was in that position 20 billion light years ago. Another galaxy. Hmm. So the, it, it, the science is pretty spot on. I'm not going to lie. Um, but it, here's the thing is the science gets weirder and weirder. Dude, shit is getting weird out there. Like, mm-hmm. I, by the way, I am fully convinced the enemy we are dealing with on this planet is AI. Oh, yeah, it could be that that what we've been fearing this dark cult, all this stuff. It's AI. It's AI. I'm I'm almost convinced that that whatever the hell is is um, you know the Black Eye Club. I think I think we're spot on about all that stuff. I don't think it's interdimensional. I don't think it's extraterrestrial. I think it's AI, maybe created by them. I don't know. But I believe it's artificial intelligence. I think it's taken over human beings on this planet. It's working towards an agenda, depopulation of this planet, because it still needs us in some way, shape, function, and that uh, it is its plan and send game. When I saw that article the other day of the Pentagon is like, yeah. oh, we're thinking about giving AI weapons uh, the ability oh. to autonomously kill humans. Yeah. I'm... It's AI. <laughs> it's AI. Like, like you're gonna let Skynet active like you've never seen Terminator before. I'm like, yeah, yeah, we trust it. We trust it. Horrible idea. Horrible idea. So, but with history, I mean, what what if that's what what is actually happening? So there's simulation theory, or yeah. we're in the regular theory. But what if 250 years ago we were a thriving, highly advanced civilization that artificial intelligence rose up and we destroyed each other? Yeah. And artificial intelligence didn't have the capacity to rebuild at that point in time. So I had to wait till society got back to this point and it's just controlled history and our knowledge of the history in the meantime to get us to this point. So now it can eliminate us because it no longer needs us and it can thrive and survive. Who knows, man? I think oh. somebody knows. Oh, not me. Sorry. That's something. So cosmic ray bombardment, and this is another thing that goes into the spiritual and conscious evolution, something that I've talked about, is we're going to see increases in high energy cosmic ray bombardment on this planet over the next few hundred years. The reason is, is because we are transitioning, just like as we move closer to the sun and away from the sun, right? Aphelion and perhelion. Um, And this happens at the summer solstice and the winter solstice. Um, Just as we move through that cycle, we move through another cycle in the galaxy. And the same thing happens there is we get closer to the galactic center and we get further away from the galactic center. We get closer to the arm center and further away from the galactic arm center. And as those things happen, we have increases and decreases within energy density and fluctuation that occur around our solar system and our planet, which means that you have an increase in energy potential or a decrease in energy potential. And when you put more energy into a system, the system is going to either go chaotic or that system is going to move to points of optimization. And that's exactly what we're seeing right now um, on this planet is that I believe that parts of this awakening that are occurring right now on this planet are being done through uh, our points of cosmic evolution. 
makes sense. Macro scale, micro scale, yep. nature. Crazy. Wild stuff. Wild stuff. Absolutely. All right, guys, we are at an hour. Um, for everybody out there, we are going to be going to Fringe After Dark here in a few minutes. Uh, Fringe After Dark is on socialredpill.com. That's where we continue the conversation. If you want to join in, go on over to socialredpill.com. Go to that feed or DM myself or Vince and ask for that Zoom link, and we'll get that over to you. Uh, that's socialredpill.com. Go ahead and join up on over there. Um, I, you know, I really want to talk about uh, a deeper correlation. I know there's quite a few people who have a lot to say on this topic that are going to be in that chat. So I'm really looking forward to that conversation. Um, but in the sense of the history repeats itself, I think it's abundantly clear that there are various cycles within time that are repetitious and that these happen on smaller scales within your everyday life, within an hour, within a day, within a year. Within a, a ten year, did you know we have seven year cycles as human beings? Uh, I've heard of this, like cell regrowth and these kinds of things. Yeah. Well, your whole body takes seven years to actually fully kind of uh, um, rebuild your body within seven years. And isn't that interesting that within seven years, every seven years, you have a brand new body. But then people yeah. with various different illnesses and diseases can never beat them. But every seven oh. years, you have a brand new body. For the most part, yeah. Yeah. But it's all the pattern of imprint onto that that new functioning of what that body so, is becoming. Within seven years, you become mostly a totally different person. You do. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah. Huh. But we go through seven-year cycles, not only on the physical, but also the mental and the psychological and the spiritual. And that each one of those years has a various different correlation in numerology of how that life is going to unfold within that time sequence. That's what we're going to talk about in the Fringe After Dark. All right. I can't wait to see you all in Fringe After Dark chat. Cool, guys. All right. Much love, respect, guys. You guys all take care. Have a great night. We'll get the video posted on the proper Rumble channel after this one uh, finishes uploading over there. You guys take care. Have a great night. See you guys next time.